If nobody turned that one steer the four times you ran that night, you didn't get a turn in. You just didn't get to row. <laughs> Who in the heck loans you $30,000 to go rodeo? What are you talking about? We get done. We're like, this sucks. We're still going to do it. I, I can't stand it. So I just go up to him and I, I am like, is there something wrong with your brain? So we're officially hey, going. Unoffendable. You know, yeah, that that is our that really is our man. The name of the podcast is the Flatbed Podcast, and the reason it's for that is the Flatbed is like <laughs> This is the Flatbed Podcast, brought to you as always by Classic Ropes and Equinity Products. We at the Flatbed want to tell you thank you for telling your friends and family. Our growth has been actually pretty surprising to us also, but what would be a giant help would be if you would rate and review the podcast. It's how you get found in uh, other people's podcast apps. We're you know the compare. It's kind of hard to explain. I just know that it's a giant help when you go rate and review the podcast. I want to challenge you guys with something. There are a lot of companies that have put it on the line to help make this podcast possible. And even if you're not going to go buy a product from them today, maybe give them a shout out on social media, follow them, let them know you appreciate the support of the Flatbed Podcast and making this kind of content possible. Check out teamequinity.com. Equinity Horse XL has eight amino acids to promote cellular repair. No fillers, no sugars, no starches, no soy, no loading dose. I could not believe the difference it made in my horse in a short period of time. We're talking a few days, but wait until you see what it'll do in a month. Let me turn you guys on to something. I've been coming to Arizona for eight years. When I first got here, I'd always heard about how good the alfalfa is in the state of Arizona, and I couldn't find it. I had to feed so much of it. I was feeding stuff that was kind of falling apart and stemmy until I found Bales Hay in Buckeye, Arizona. Let me tell you all, baleshay.com is the website. You can also call them at 623-386-2988. This stuff, it's like you can flake it off in those half-inch flakes, you know what I'm talking about, which means I could feed less of it. It stores good. It stacks good. The horses eat it. It smells so good, it feels like you could eat it. I'm telling you guys what, I have been a paying customer for years for a reason. Bales Hay in Buckeye, Arizona. Check them out at baleshay.com. Caesar De La Cruz, how old are you, Caesar? Thirty-nine. I'll be, I'll be forty here. Another, uh, is it three weeks? Twenty-ninth, I guess. So it'd be almost a month. How you doing with that? Forty was a weird one for me. Man, it's 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 a weird one, but um, I had fun rodeoing. I really did. I rodeoed pretty for about twenty years. You started young, right? I mean, yeah, kind of 19, 20, but I kind of, uh, I made my first NFR when I was 22. So, so then, um, right now, who's the first one with Coulter Todd? Oh yeah. First three with Coulter. And then I made it with Begay five years in a row. And did Coulter ever make it with anybody else? No, he, he pretty much give it up. Uh, well, I knew he quit, but I couldn't remember if he'd ever, like you were it. You uh, guy. Yeah. But like he, he's been home raising, raising a family, but he's cracked back out. And healing for Begay this this last couple of years and is he gonna man, is he gonna do it for a full year? Yeah, he's he's this year Begay even mentioned that yeah he's pretty serious about it. He wants to go rope. How cool would that be? I think I I try to preach to my my the especially the younger generation ropers and at the clinics that I that I teach, but you got to be good at both ends nowadays. If I I don't know if you've seen Caleb Trigger's heal, but. <laughs> That guy yeah. is unbelievable right. healer too. Like he he can heal if he if you want to make the finals, he can do it on the heel side as well. But man, he's a world class header, so he he's he gets to head for a world class healer. Yeah, it's pretty pretty cool. Then he he did heal there for a while for like uh, the 3S guy. Yeah, he he, he healed uh, for Brandon Webb. Webb yeah. Brandon Webb. Yeah, and that was, that was just kind of a him him and Brandon Webb are partners on horses and everything, and he was kind of helping Brandon get cracked back out and. It, for for Driggers, I think it freed his mind up a little bit because I noticed when he come back heading again, it was 
then no joke. It almost like it right. freed him. Healing's funny about that. The, you know, I mentioned the clinics we go to. Some of them guys will be struggling on the head side a little bit. It's time to go heal a few steers. Right. They go back to having fun, and they come back and head a little bit. They're they're actually doing better because they kind of got their mind away from it. Kind of have kind of like again. Michael Jordan the years he played ba- baseball, just wouldn't hit the reset button. And then Jade wasn't Jade gonna head one time? Like he yeah, he, it was just a little little minor deal. But that guy, he's world class healer. He don't, I mean, he don't miss very many. So <laughs> it's 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 funny because the the game evolved about the time he he wanted to crack out, where these guys are reaching a lot more. And uh, I told a, a good story. You know, when me and Coulter were going, we tried to average 1,000 a rodeo. Right. Most of the time it was 70 rodeo count, right? Mm-hmm. So usually about the number was 70,000. And, and you, you had a chance to make the finals. And then I got to rope with Lane Ivy, And he, he really kind of opened my eyes to the younger generation, how they think. He said, or instead of winning 1,000 at 70 rodeos, we can win... 10,000 at seven of the biggest rodeos of the year. Right. And I says, right. you know what? You, 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 you got a good point something there. Gun, I think you're onto something. Well, like we did really good at Cody. We won 10,000 there. Like we were on our way and I, you know, a couple, couple catches here, a couple, you know, a couple misses here that cost us making the finals. But that guy showed me what the, the younger generation guys, how they rope. It's, yeah. it's, I don't know, like Steph Curry did it in the, in the basketball where he's just three point shots, man. Right. It's, he, he evolved the game a little bit too, right? right. His three-pointer became his jump shot. Well, even half-course, like you see some T-Wade pull off a half-course shot every now and again. <laughs> Dustin Negeskiza is like, man, whoa, whoa, that was so far away. I can't, can't believe they make ropes that far. But it's just kind of how the game is going. And, and uh, Is there he, anything more discouraging to like a young header who's been like catching pretty good and doing pretty good at the jackpots? He's like, man, I'm going to go down here and I'm going to go watch this slack. Watching Dustin just like – tee off on one from 25 coils back and it's tight not only like he catches him it's tight that's gotta just be like a what am i doing you gotta understand man these like driggers he's got he does the rope horse maturity and he's got developed such a really such a good feel for the head horse Mm -hmm. that he can stick at the steer from two coils back keep riding his horse keep going forward and get a good face out of his horse i don't know if you saw the american which Mm -hmm. i'm sure you did transmission how cool was that run dude that was three six, and that, that was all day long. Right. They could have made that run. It was just run another steer. Could have, they could have done that again. It was that simple. So the new new generation is we could win ten thousand at every single rodeo all year and have well, seven hundred thousand going into the NFL. That team has <laughs> evolved it again. Watch because I mean that two hundred thousand last year was unheard of. I've I've never even seen a team have that consistency throughout the whole year, and n- not take their foot off of the, right. the competitor's <laughs> neck they, right. they they all the way through well and it's like man them guys are awesome it tells like to, for tanner tomlinson and patrick smith to have the kind of finals that they had and still not catch them tells you the kind of year that driggers and junior had all year man it, it's just like i said the game's evolving watch this this next year they're they're gonna be some i don't know if it'll be two hundred thousand, but it'll be up there in the, in the high hundreds for sure them guys are kind of changing it now where it's a high high-paced like game now like them guys are able to to do what the guys are doing at the jackpots you know kind of a style where they're setting the healer up so fast but they're doing it from two coils back hitting the barrier doing it right there and still controlling the head horse one step forward setting him up for the face it's, it's kind of cool to watch now 
Feels like they're going to have to like redo the classification system where the head number goes to 10 and the heel number goes to 11, but it's only Caleb and Junior. They're like, yeah. they're the open. Everybody else well, everybody else is an incentive team. The bigger arenas, I think they're probably going to have to start scoring them out there just a little farther, mm-hmm. you know, to be honest. That's, that's the only way to keep them guys from reaching uh, so far. You know, you go to California and then barriers and situations right. over there. You, right. You'll see a dust Negaskiza run all the way up there and set his healer up really good because the left wall is right there. I think so. Throwing your rope is just gonna just cause too much time out there. Right. Is it Red Bluff ropes muleys? Yep, Red Bluff ropes. Uh, no, it's uh, Clovis does. Or, or, or Clo- Clovis, but right. Red Bluff has the left wall, and it's it's real tough place to rope. Real hard. The angles are tough over there at Red Bluff, but you'll, would, you, I, I, you don't see you see fast times over there, but it's not coming over the shoot. It's real controlled. Begay, he called it controlled aggression. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, you run up there, set it up where the healer can throw fast, and it's set up where. You know the minor boys done it, made a living doing that kind of kind yeah. of run. Just go by the world's fastest head horse yeah, and go fast. The, one of the best heel horses out there, and put them together with with two of the best ropers, and 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 that's it's a team now. I'm honestly, like it's the head horse and the head header have to be a, a unit, and the head healer and the heel horse have to be a unit, and then pair them up, pair the team up together. Because so many healers and so many headers nowadays, you have to kind of pick their styles right that kind of match it's it's a cool you mentioned Thomason and, and smith you know patrick he kind of took uh, tanner under his wing and man he's that's a they make a cool they got a cool run right like it's just and i think patrick is has showed tanner how to set the steers up like trevor used to for him right he never right. missed for trevor man he cut no. two feet all the time for that guy so. i was i was the next guy out at waco and i was riding that horse at lightning bot that year yeah. When Tanner ran over Butch Kirby, he got it on steer so uh, fast. Did you see that video? Yeah, that was. I I, I don't mean to laugh, but that was funny. Dude. Oh, it was funny. I think Butch would tell you it's funny. Hey, the <laughs> best part of that video is you watch and Butch like a cartoon almost. He sees it and he almost like pops a little bit before he takes off running. Like he doesn't get a good break. That's the problem. His like he didn't speed, get a good break. He didn't, his speed quit working. He just he kind of like a Flintstone. He just <laughs> and then takes off running. It was too late. Like he had him. Man, and, and Tanner <laughs> didn't. He was trying to so hard to keep going <laughs> with the and run they could, and they couldn't and, get off of him. I know, man. The horse is trying not to step on all him. All you too. see, all you see is like Tanner's looking down. And you see Butch's little legs just kicking, trying to get out from under the and horse. He's like wondering, like you know, you can tell, like he's wondering what the horse is doing because he's raining out there. And he's trying to get him to go over there, trying to get him to face, and like it's like he he's stepping on a on a human hey, being. Butch is that old war flashbacks from his bull riding days. He can't get out from that, under that's that. That's one horse. situation. Like the, that's the only way to stop a guy like that from coming over the shoots with it. He's they're too quick. Like yeah. They can hit the bear and have it on right there. You have to have almost have it in a situation like that, almost three over, you know, where like it's yeah. it's gonna make a well, I mean, totally different game. I've team roped. I, I kinda have an idea. You've watched enough team rope and runs. You get an idea when a guy's gonna like ride, crank it off and throw, right? Tanner that day, where I thought he was getting ready to pull it up and take a swing, it's all like he threw it a full swing before I thought it was even possible. And it didn't just land on the steer. I mean, it pops, and it, uh, Butch wasn't the only one that was surprised that day because everybody's like, I, that didn't look like he had a throw, and it was tight. What about, like, so I've been noticing that how the headers can get a couple swings off in the back of the box. They'll nod, and, mm-hmm. and Dustin can get two as he's leaving the back. That's how fast he can get that head rope up and going. He'll get another one as he's coming across the line. And now he's got three as he's hitting the barrier and can spot the steer anywhere left, right. Like he's got, and I think that's the difference. And them guys, they're able to, that's 
takes a lot of athletic ability, I, I think. And I think if a guy would go home today and be like, I think I could do that. Just go get in the mirror and try to swing a rope that fast, even without accuracy. The fact that that guy can get that rope going so stinking fast, that fast. I mean, that rope is like helicopter fast. That's hard to do. Yeah, just That's, just warming up your horse. Just go just there go and, and just sit, sit, <laughs> just stand still and, and go to a lope and swing at the same time. Like, it's yeah, not it's, easy. It's hard. Yeah. Well, and what's cool, I think what's cool about, like, when you start to understand how hard it is, it makes you it makes it that much more fun to watch because you realize, like, that is so flipping hard to do. Right. And he does it so consistently, him, Driggers. Like, it is. That's you watch the old school videos, and them guys will even kind of reach down and kind of get a hold of the saddle horn. But like the the these guys nowadays, the younger generation guys are like nodding and swinging at the same time. It's like it's the game's evolving, but they're still able to. For example, I I, I bring up Driggers all the time because he's my buddy. But like that guy's, he can head and heel as good as anybody. But like the way he he can go to a, a rope horse for surety and show a four year old. Yeah, and right. I don't. That is very difficult yeah, it's to a do. Diff- it's a different thing. That is hard to do. And once once I think he understood how to do that, when he gets on a solid rodeo horse, he understands how to maintain a head horse, which was something that headers struggled with. And I know that in, in this midsummer time, that's something that the healers kind of dread a little bit when them header, head horses get short and want to drop that shoulder and, you know, they start taking that header's throw away a little bit you know that they're barely going to get to the saddle horn and that's you get the big nasty swap and their yeah. legs will not be together when they hit, hit the corner so that's when you when you got a, a header like driggers that has control of the head horse when he sticks he pushes forward pushes puts their legs together you can throw it as fast as you want to well le- that's legally i've healed behind like lightning and driggers over there at brady's and it's unbelievable how fast a heel horse really needs to be mm-hmm. to catch up with that i i, I mean it's hard to even describe until somebody experiences it, the feeling of how quickly you can feel behind. When you're three coils back and they get them and you feel like you're still gaining on the steer, and then and then for them to just pull them around there and make them easy. Like, it's... it's. I've healed for lightning before, and he's got a cool... Like, he he shoots from the hip, like I call like He's like a gunfighter. Mm-hmm. He brings, he's got his hand, mm-hmm. his right hand down, and he'll pick it up one swing, and he'll you won't even see him when you're healing for him. All yeah, of a sudden, just the, steer, a rope passes you. The, the head lip goes kerpow <laughs> on the horns, and the steer is turning. Yeah. Like, it's that fast. Yeah. So yeah. it requires a very fast heel horse nowadays. Does that, make you, does that make you miss it? Like, is there a part of you sitting here talking about it? Does that Where does that land with you of, like, man, I want to get oh. back out there? Or No, not, not, not now. I, I, my goals and my, my stuff has, has changed with, with my family now. My little boys, uh, my, they're 12, uh, 10, and 7. The 12-year-old is taller than me, wears the same size pants as me. He's a big kid. And, you know, um, being gone rodeo, and there was times where I would, would be gone a month, mm-hmm. you know, to come home for a week or two and then be gone for another month. And When I they're just, really little, though, I mean, I know you feel guilt about missing, like, things, but I really honestly, in fairness, in fairness to dads, when your kids are that little and you're involved and you're there when you're there, like, when you're there, if you're invested in their lives – it's different, man. When they get to be like my son's 14 and like, I'm a, he's my friend now. Yeah. Like I like being around him every yeah. single day. And it, it is a little different when they're younger. You know, if you miss a little bit of time here and there, I don't think it's as big a deal. But God, when they start getting interested in stuff and they're liking their stuff and it changes. My dad wasn't, my real dad wasn't around when I was uh, uh, little, you know, so, and he left when I was 
you know, seven or eight. Did you ever it, know, you knew him before? I, I, I really don't remember him now, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of, it's like, I, I can't even picture his face anymore. Like, it's been that long, I guess. Really? Just bad, bad memories, you know, of my childhood. You know, he, he, he was an alcoholic a little bit. And anyways, I just kind of have a few bad memories about it. So I just kind of blocked it out of my mind. But, uh, man, I feel like when my stepdad come in, and started taking me to the rodeos. And I, I, you know, my uncles, I was raised by my uncles and my grandparents quite a bit. Like, you know, they, they had a saying in, in, in my raising. So, but Did like, they, they all rodeoed and roped and stuff? Yeah, my grandfather had a, had the turtle PRCA card way back when. Really? He, yeah, the PRCA was just starting out. Huh. It was the Turtle Association back then, but, and it was team time days back then. Oh, yeah. So the, the, the our generation of cowboys runs real deep, but it's like, man, I, um, as being a young man, I remember like I needed needed a I felt like a, you know you need a dad. Yeah, I feel like and 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 um, I want to be there for my boys. Right. Um, it feels like um, it's I, the town that I grew up in, Tucson. It's it's my little my little compound right there on the four acres I lived on is my my safe spot right there. Was, I, I have a great family. I you know I had a I had a roof over my head, clothes. I had horses, arena, all that good stuff, but. We had a ten foot gate, or you know, fence. You know, so you right guys lived basically in a compound, like pretty much, off, man. Safe. Like we lived right next to a bar. There's a trailer park across the street. We lived right next to an apartment complex. You know what I mean? So your your four acres was like in a city. It was right next to the airport, the Tucson what? International Airport. I live right right up the road from the Tucson Rodeo Grounds. So I'm, you were seasoning I'm, all your horses, like even growing up, because they were like, man, they've had airplanes and bars and apartments. Like well, when my grandfather bought the place, it was just kind of out, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, kind of by. It was it was by the airport, but there was no no city by it. And all yeah. of a sudden, next thing you know, it was just they they all kind of grew. The town grew around us there, and no the gangs and there was casino right up the road too. So like I'm I'm right there in the city. And so so when you say gangs, I'm I'm curious about that. When you say gangs, like. I know that's a word that people are maybe hear a lot, like inner city gangs. And it's, it's almost like a title that you don't really think about. But, like, did you have personal friends that were getting involved, like people that Man, you knew personally? Uh, people that don't know, the MS-13 gang is pretty, pretty was getting pretty big. It's, it's pretty big um, right now. But uh, there was a lot of MS-13 gang members when I was, when I was a, a kid. And it was, they were into bad stuff, you know what I mean? They stole cars, they... Sold drugs, but like, did it did uh, it feel like they were had an eye on young guys coming up as far as like a recruitment thing? Or oh did you, yeah, you just knew absolutely, they were absolutely. Because um, a minor can get in trouble. Say, so the, a, a, a teenager, a fourteen year old kid, that that's what they do for a living. They steal cars. They can get in and out of a car. They can get into a car, thirty one seconds to pull, uh, you know, pull out of the parking lot within 31 seconds no way it's fast and these guys are good you know like they they don't take very long to steal a car these guys are super fast i seen it with my own eyes when i was that age i got to see a lot of lot of stuff in high school and like do stuff you, that most people probably shouldn't see you well, know especially so as a kid do you instantly feel like you want to act like you didn't see it because like if, for me I, I i hear that and i'm like man if they know that i know then i feel like i'm in trouble i'm like i'm not gonna man, say man uh I, I told a story of this before, but I, I knew a few few uh, kids from the neighborhood, and they knew that I had horses and stuff. So I was kind of cool with those kind of guys that were in in the gangs. They had dogs, and you know they liked that I had horses and stuff. Yeah. So they they kind of knew who I was. Well, they 
they were pretty good pretty big in the gang member stuff man they were kind of high uppers they 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 would almost uh have ha i was considered a runner almost one one time they uh gave me some money to go help them steal some cars we did school and we went how, to, how old were you i was about 15 years old okay and you got to understand like my cowboy lifestyle the spirit and everything at my house my, my grandfather was a military man and cowboy and like this is how we do it uh, you know like you're you're gonna be a good man you know matter you don't have to be a cowboy you don't have to roll but you're gonna be a good man kind of a deal so i always had that in my heart so I, like when i did something wrong you know like it, it was like it was in my conscience and i couldn't yeah. you know like it, yeah so i was wanting some money for for a roping that we were that was coming up and man i wanted to go to it but my, I, my family's humble and we just didn't have enough money to go to the roping and it's just no big deal we just didn't have the entry fees so sure. was, so my buddy said they'd give me a couple hundred bucks to help me go steal a car. Ditch school. The airport is right there, and they got a parking lot where people leave their cars for weeks, you know mm -hmm. what I mean, before they even know it's, it's gone. Right, it could have been gone for a while. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm So, so what my job was to walk up and down the sidewalk there, kind of the whole length of, of, of by the time I can get from one end of the, the parking lot, like I said, it's they don't take very long, just a couple... 31 seconds. That's crazy. By the time I got to one end of the, uh, of, of, it was almost like I was a lookout. Yeah. Whistle right. if somebody was coming, like, you know what I mean? Like somebody's looking or, you know, and, and I'd just whistle at them and they'd be, they'd pull out. And what they would do, they'd either, either send money or they'd use it to, 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 for drugs, the car. So like, this is what I was in, in the high school and stuff like that. The freshman year, this is what I was kind of getting into, you know, like. So it would have been uh, really easy to go full on into Yeah, it. like my mom was working hard my, about the about the time my stepdad, you know, was taking me to rodeos and stuff and kind of showing me about that time. I was learning a different, like, that I can rodeo and I can, you know, if I put my there hard could be work, a I, there yeah. could be a future right here. And I kind of was picking it up about that time. But at the same time, I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to school and these guys are my buddies. You know, I'm just around them more than I am my, my, yeah. my parents pretty much and so but when I well, went home I was around my grandparents because we lived in the same yard you know right so what well, I mean that's that's what saved me for sure in defense of a kid and I, mean, I think about and like my son like I said he's 14 and all his buddies and stuff and like if you're sitting there and you're like well I see my mom working hard she doesn't have any money I see my family working hard they still don't have any money we're trying our you know we're trying our best we're being good people it would be so easy for a kid to be like well that isn't working you know, and almost justify, like, well, we tried. Now I got to go to what pays. Like, it would, it's such an easy, I feel like it would be such an easy trap to fall in, especially if you're justifying, well, I didn't steal the car. I was just out here hanging out with my friend. They but, stole the car. But you, you're considering, uh, what, what's it called? An accomplice. Uh, you're considered an accomplice. I didn't know yeah. that at the time. <laughs> you're like, an accessory. Yes. So, like, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a young man. I'm 15 or 14, 15 years old. I didn't know that, that, that I'm just because I didn't do it. But, right. like, like right. I, 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 what I did is I took the car back to school and I went back to school and I parked it, and, you know, where they had it parked. And I went back to class. That's, that was my job. I got paid for, uh, we were gone for 15 minutes, you no know, we way. weren't gone for very long at all. Really? Like, yeah, it's kind of, it kind of was a business for these guys and, and they were selling drugs and doing different things. And I say drugs, I mean like, like cocaine and, and, and meth. Like it wasn't like weed and like little, like it was, these guys were selling some real stuff yeah. and I got to see it from time to time, you know, the bathroom breaks and stuff like that, you know, uh, you know, lunch periods and stuff like that. Like, you you could you can go to the bathroom and see somebody doing a line and 
it's just a kid, you know. It's like uh, there around around where I was at, there was there's the parents weren't doing it like my parents were trying to do it. There's right. there was there was a, a, a hardworking families, and they when whenever the kid would go to school, he was around his buddies. When he come home, there was nobody at home. Right. Like yeah. I mean, they're kind of on their own. And then when the parents get home, they're tired and they have dinner and they go to bed and. Like the the kids are around their Raising friends themselves. more than anything exactly, and the beautiful thing about my my situation with my grandparents were neighbors to my house, yeah. and so my grandmother made sure that I was picked up from school and and dropped off. If I had to ride the bus, I'm not sure what you know. Like I was, I, it was very easy for me to get in trouble, man. Like. It's like a, I'm, it's I, I'm hard, the kind of guy hard that, not to get in trouble. And not, yeah. not that it was easy to get in trouble. It was it would have been hard not to. In a, in a way to fit in a little bit too, and not get picked on and stuff, man. Especially freshman year, the life, the first ten days, I got in a couple fights. It's like, man, I, I don't know if I want to be in high school. <laughs> like this sucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then it was funny how like the senior year was a lot easier. Like it, it was actually cool and kind of fun. But like the first you first survive year, years man, the late nineties was it's tough, man. So I've had some friends that got kind of into the drug culture, you know, different varying degrees or whatever. And one of the things I hear people say, it, and it, you, I guess maybe you wouldn't think of it until you, they say it, but like I was raised in a real protect, like we were broke. We didn't have any money, but like it was just like a poor white neighborhood, right? We had, like we had hillbillies and like they were all going to be in a band or drink beer, but it was like, yeah, it's pretty civil, right? And so when you hear drugs, it's just like, oh my gosh. Like there wasn't weed or anything that I knew of at all, Right. So you think of drugs as being like this big, dark, just horrible thing. And, and my friends that have gotten into it have said, once you meet your friends in it, well, now it's a part of a community, right? Like, yeah, we know drugs aren't good or whatever, but it doesn't seem that scary when it's like, you know, the guy and you know, their friends and like, you know, their family. And it is so much easier, I think, for people to fall into it once you know people. And what you're saying Man, is you knew yeah. everybody. Just trying to fit in at school, right? And like, it's, it, it's a tough deal. And then when I'd go home, my, my grandfather would, would talk about being a good man, going out there and take care of your horse. And, you know, it, my grandmother, she's being, trying to be real respectful and, like, you know, hold the door for women and stuff like that. I know my buddies that at, 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 at I was going to school with weren't having that. You know, they weren't like, getting that instruction. Yeah, my, my, my stepdad, you know, always dressed, dressed sharp. You know, he always wore his cowboy hat. You know, he looks sharp all the time. I'm like, man, that's, that's how you're supposed to dress. I went to school, baggy jeans, you know what I mean? I'd, I'd sag my pants, you know what I mean? Right, my, try my to fit gra- in. My grandmother, I'd like going to school, I'd pick up my pants and all that kind of stuff, and I'd almost put on a belt. And as soon as she'd leave, I'd pull <laughs> the belt out, put it in my backpack, untuck my shirt, sag my pants, you know, like trying to be a little gangster. And I'm just trying to fit in. Right, And like, right. And then so as soon as I get home, pull the baggy pants off, right. put my pants on, my boots <laughs> on, and go, and go chase some steers around and rope the goats <laughs> and do stuff like that. I was like, complete 180. You live in two different like lives. A little, exactly, man. Yeah. Like a little gangster for first part of the day, <laughs> the next part of the day, I'm this little cowboy. And that's kind of why I, I, I was drawn to Coulter because my grandfather would tell me stories about when he was a little boy, you know, like he was eight, nine years old, breaking colts with his dad. Oh, really? Breaking bucking horse. Like these suckers were bucking. They'd tie him up and he'd get on them and they'd buck, you know. They'd take him to the wash and they wouldn't buck as hard in the wash. <laughs> and so I, he'd tell me these stories, man. And I'm like, man, we're living in the city. The airplanes are flying across us. So you're hearing gunshots at night, you know what I mean? It's like yeah, the f- police are coming, you know, down the road. Like, I don't... I don't. I want to be out there in the yeah. cowboy. I want Get to go brand the cows. So when I got into going to the junior rodeos, my stepfather took me, Larry, and and my mom would take me to these 
these junior rodeos, man. I was like, there's a different life. And I met these rodeo kids and like Coulter was homeschooled. He don't know what anything, <laughs> like even some of the music we had listened to, like he'd, what's that? You know, Turn like, this filth yeah, off. No, like he, I just showed him his Marilyn Manson one the, the video or like a song, Beautiful People or something like that. He's yeah. like, I like that. You know what I mean? It's, like he's he just this, this, yeah. this country kid, man. It's like, man, this these are ranchers. And like we'd go out there and like there's the, he would laugh at me because I'd get bucked off or something like that. You know, I still don't ride the best this day, but <laughs> like putting on, put me on a couple of Colts and they just, they wouldn't even buck. They just jump out from underneath me. And that was his daily entertainment was him, him just laughing at me, but getting out there, branding calves, doing all that stuff. I'm like, man, this is, this is the, this is the life. You uh, just felt cowboy like that was, is where between the two, if there's two Caesars, that was the one that was that, the most real. That, that, that was calling. And I, I, you know, I, I, I Ever since I was a kid, we went to church. You know, my my grandparents and stuff were real, were Catholic, and uh, I'm 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 a Christian. You know, later on, I kind of went and I opened opened my eyes to to like I I want my own opinion on yeah. on, on on the Bible and, and Jesus and God. So, like, and then Coulter and his family were real open about that, like studying it, and and you can talk about it. Like, he 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 would talk about like God's your God's your friend, Jesus your buddy. You can talk to him. You you go out there in the pasture. Yeah. And, and and talk away. Make it personal. You, you, you guys are buddies out there. Just go go ride. And like I, I found that like real I touched my heart, you know. It's like that's that's what I want to be. And then when I'd go home I'd tell my grandpa about it and my grandmother, they they, they, they loved when I went to go rope and rodeo yeah. and like bring home a buckle or something like that. Then my my biggest fans, man, you know, like yeah. so that Do that you, was always drawing me back to like cowboy, you gotta come you gotta be a cowboy, you know, like this is what you're doing over here is wrong. You know it's wrong. You, you, you don't do that. You yeah. come over here and you cowboy stuff. You know. So. Do you think that your grand because your grandpa was your mom's dad? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that he felt like an extra sense of motivation with you because he'd seen like your real dad and what they'd gone through with him? And without getting into details, you can talk about yeah. what I mean, whatever. But do you think that he saw as like, man, I'm gonna make sure because that would have to be hard. I got a daughter, and like, it could almost make a guy emotional thinking about her, my daughter, going through something like that. And just feeling like, man, I'm gonna really invest to make sure I get it right in the next round. Like, yep. do you think that was a motivator for him? Man, I, I lost my grandparents uh, real recently. It's kind of emotional, you know. But man, they saved my life, man. To be honest with you, the the the, the town that we were in right there, and, and the the neighborhood we we're at, it's tough for any kid to to to, to come out of there. My grandfather father kind of always pushed me to ride and rope and like go go rodeo go go do that that's that's yeah. what we want you to do go travel go do that yeah. and it, it's like man uh i i i hated hated the house man so it's like i it's it's my house but man i hated being there man it's just like all these gangs and stuff i, I want to rope yeah. i want to be a cowboy yeah. it's not not the place for me so i'd always try to go hang out with my buddies that that had these big ranches or got you know the parsons and 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 they had calves and steers and facility and right. they they rope man all the time I'm like man that's what i want to do my uncle george trained trained george arles trained horses and he's roping daily and had lessons like man i want to go hang out with those guys well, i don't, cool don't want to get in trouble with these guys these guys are man these good guys they got good hearts man but they were doing the wrong stuff and didn't have didn't have the outlet I, I, I know one of them's dead dude and one of them's in jail the guys that i used to hang out with the high one school. that died what happened man he, he got shot there's no there's, way yeah there's there and before two years before I went to the school, they made a rule that you couldn't wear uh, caps, ball caps, and you couldn't wear like say, if you wore a solid red shirt 
with red laces on, on your shoes and big fat laces and stuff like that. They would make you take your laces off and all that stuff. There was a kid that got shot, drove right up to the school, rival gang member, blew his brains out right right, right in the parking lot right no, there, drove off. Way. Like, the gangs were bad, man. Like, honestly, like, I, <laughs> it's a funny story. My buddy Paul Brashears, <laughs> they were all staying at my house. Father of the funniest child in Arizona. We're about to introduce you to the companies that make this podcast possible. You guys check out LoneStar.tv. It's a church that speaks your language, can be attended from anywhere. Randy and Darla have a personal mission to make people that are unable to attend geographically still feel like they're a part of the, the core group of what happens at Lone Star Cowboy Church. It's the most successful cowboy church in the nation. Huge vision, huge mission, great at loving people, doing a fantastic job with their online audience. If you guys can, check it out at LoneStar.tv. What do Caleb Driggers, Ren Richard, Haven Medjid, Shelby Beaujolais all have in common? They all feed beet pulp. I am with Brian Edwardson, president of Unbeatable Feeds. It's highly digestible, all natural, low sugar. I feed it to my horses. I'm telling you, I can notice an absolute difference quick. It took me my horses a week before I could see the difference it was making. Give it a try. Your horse will thank you. Anywhere that you have a tractor supply, you can get it. You can add a subscription. They will get it to you anywhere in the country. Unbeatable Feeds. Check them out at the website. www.unbeatablefeeds.com They were all staying at my house. Father of the funniest child in Arizona. Hilarious, man. <laughs> so funny. Shut up. Shut that, up. That family. Shut that, up, Blazer Shears. That whole family. Well, Paul, I, I've, I've known him for a long time, and, and, and he's been comical his whole life, so you can only imagine that he passed that on his little boy. But, <laughs> man, it, it was kind of a hot summer summer night, you know, and it was, let's go sleep outside. You know, so we went outside, and we got up on, I had a two-story house, so we cl climbed out my window. We're walking on the roof there, and it kind of a little bit leveled out right there where, where we can, can lay down on the way out there. It was bam, bam. It was just right there. No way. And I just kept walking. No big deal. I look back at Paul's <laughs> laying on the, on, on, the, on the roof right there. They're in the trees. Yeah, like, they're shooting at us. I'm like, man, that's, that's kind of what I heard all the time. But, like, I, I wanted out of that place, man. Like, yeah. e even when I, I went back recently home, man, it's like, I never like, I, I like it here, but I don't like it here. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's not, it's not my spot. Almost like you wish you could take that four acres and move it out somewhere else. Where just you, like in the your country. Roots and where you grew up. Yeah. And just, man, it, it's. Is your family still there on that place? Yeah. My, my mom and, and uh, we're, I'm hoping that we can, we can sell that place and they can move kind of, they're both retired now. My, my, my dad, my stepdad, I call my dad, yeah. but my, my dad and uh, my mom's in Ida, they, they they worked real hard, so what did they, they get to enjoy it? My mom's a nurse. Uh, she worked with with cancer, uh, ready uh, oncology. I yeah. I, she's got this job this job title that's so long, and I can't even <laughs> hardly say it. But she went to, to what went to school for a long time to get to where she's at now, and I'm proud of her. And that's where I get my work ethic from. Like, got to work hard if you want to yeah be successful. Whatever it takes, you know. Like she she wasn't just there all the time but she made up for it and at the rodeos and stuff all the love and cheering on and all that stuff and well and do you feel just like the biggest wuss in the world when you like are tired and just want to take a day off and then you think about your mom and she's just like grinding every single day and you're like man she go to fine. school and then work nights too you know what i mean no so I, I hardly got to see my mom there were certain points where i didn't get to see her man and love her to death and she worked real hard for us but that i think she worked real hard to take us to the junior rodeos and like 
there was times my style comes from uh, going to the jackpots and only get to enter in the first rope and maybe only get to enter one or two times. Right. And I had to, I wanted to fire it right there on the corner because I wanted that first day money. Right. Because then if I got to win that first day money, I got to rope the rest of the day. Right. So, right. man, so you're looking for I, it. if my header got it on him right there, I was I was firing it right there. I was wanting some some day money. So, so where do you like? I feel like I've just all of a sudden now I've got ten thousand more questions. Where do you find like living in the in the little town in Tucson, a little spot in there in Tucson? Where do you find horses? Like, do you, is George helpful on getting like? Because I George. think about I think about like without the money to do it. Where does a kid even start? You've got saddles and ropes and, like, practice stock of some sort, whether you're roping goats or yeah. what do you do? For, fortunately, me, fortunately, my, my Uncle George, you know, was NFR qualifier. Like, he, he set himself up to, to train horses and, and, and have the lifestyle he had. So every, every chance I got, I'd go rope with him. And, you know, I'd get things from him. My grandfather, you know, he always made sure I had either bits or, you know, whatever I needed to, to, to go rope. My mom, my dad, saddles, whatever. But if, if you're a kid, if you're a city kid wanting to get into something like that, you have to find a place where they have horses. Like maybe they board horses or somebody's riding or roping or, you know, e- even learning just how to ride. Bas- mm-hmm. Basic riding skills. Because I tell my, my students at the clinics, like, you're... you're uh, Riding is primary, rope and secondary. Everybody thinks that rope and they're, you know, we see these guys reaching stuff. It's they're riding their horse. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty simple. But if you're if you're a city kid, you and you really love it, you. I had a goat, man. I like I had four steers. How much does I, a goat cost? Do you know? N- so the ones that I got were given to me sometimes because they're wild little shits. They jump out of the pins <laughs> and like the ones that are wild that you like I said want to jump out and stuff yeah. like that. Those That'll are the ones you want. You yeah. put them on a stake. They're wanting to run away from you and they're wanting to jump and yeah. you know like the the gentle ones, the ones that want to be your buddy, and follow you around. Though, right. they, they don't make very good <laughs> good goats to rope. Go get all. the little feral goat. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm thinking like if if I'm a kid listening and I'm living in a neighborhood and like I got plans on getting out someday, but today I'm in a neighborhood. It doesn't take that much room to stake a goat out, right? No. I mean, you can enough that you could kind of learn to get hey, in there. A sawhorse, you could stationary. You don't need but fifteen feet square circumference. Yeah. Just rope a a, a, a sawhorse. Like, do you think that like like we're talking? If somebody doesn't have the advantages, doesn't have the horses, doesn't have the steers, all that stuff, do you think a kid's got the best shot starting off trying to heal first? Man, honestly, my personal opinion on on it. I, I started all three of my boys heading. And if you can run down there, chase the cow, get your horse in position where you can rope the cow, slow the steer down, dally, slow the steer down to a stop, or just even slow him down where you got control. Yeah. And you can undally and let the steer go. But with that kind of control, now you're ready to turn the steer and make a run. But I feel if you can run the run the steer down there, at least rope it and get a dally and slow the steer down, then you can at least try to heal now because yeah. you can at least ride your horse in a position, get yourself in a spot, throw your rope down there, pull your slack, and get a dally. Yeah. If you start, so you're completing a lot of the tasks by right. starting off on the head and slowing yes, down. Yes, because it's just slowing the run down a little bit. I feel like when, when a, a beginner roper is learning how to rope, the, the game moves fast for them. The, you know, the steers are moving fast. Like It's almost like they'll black out. Yeah. You know, it's like you're in a car wreck I've, and I've it gets it, over. You're like, what I've happened? I've done it myself. You know, you got headers like I've had in my career that they're, they're turning when the three second spot right here, it happens very fast. You know who did I mean? that the most? Of the people you've roped with, who is the guy Dude, that surprised were, you the most? They were all pretty good, but Coulter and I still got uh, records that we got. A, we were four flat at, at Reno 
We saw you were four flat four at Reno. Four flat at Reno. That was, dude, that was a head loop. The steer was perfect, kind of a, a, a steer for, for that type of situation. He was wanting to go to the right real bad. And, uh, and so he, he was known to stop. He, he went once and, and he went to the right and uh, the, the steer stopped and the header missed. And so Coulter's like, man, he's going to throw his head up right there across the line. Be ready for it. Um, something happened the first round. Went out on the day money the first round. So come back, and he hit the barrier perfect. And it kind of Coulter was cool about getting some swings off in the back of the box, like I was talking about. He got a couple cranked off when he hit the line. The steer was right there. The neck rope popped, and steer same thing. Threw his head up, and Coulter when he roped, he really had it tight, like crispy horn loop. But he really pulled that steer with him as he turned the steer. So as soon as he threw his head up, it was almost like he hit and took a big old wild like long jump. And I set my loop down at the right at that time, and it. But when I got to the saddle horn, it was Done. tight. It was that <laughs> that fast for a steer that slow, and you know, to kind of make that run was was pretty cool. But it happened perfect. What's your emotional like in that moment? Because Reno's a big one. You're about to start on the Fourth of July, you're like that's BFI time at the time. Like there's just a lot. It's the beginning of a long summer, right? So you dally and it's over. Like, what's the headspace on that, man? I, I love the Did summertime. Did you like the fist pump and like freak no, out? I, I, like, I didn't do that. I didn't do that as much, man. Like there's certain times where I'd give the fist pump and I kind of, the NFR will bring that out of a guy. <laughs> but man, it's, it's like my, this is my job, man. Like I, I wanted, when I rodeoed, it was to, I had a fear of, of, and I wasn't going to go back, man. But like I had a fear of like I had I was gonna go back if I messed up if I missed right. if I didn't catch right. this deer like I gotta go back home I don't right. want to go back home man right and so that little that it was almost like a relief when yeah. I made a good run yeah. or won yeah. something yeah. big like Coulter and I man Coulter and I won so much together and it's just cool to win something with your best buddy that you work so hard to get to that level with and like uh, man we won the U S finals and it paid fifty thousand a man. And is like, that the most money you ever had at one time? It was 2006. I was 22 years old, and all I wanted to do was rope for a living, use my rope and travel and rope and yeah. just different places. But, man, I had more money. I, at that time, I was ro- rodeoing in it, and you don't see it. You probably won't ever see it again, but I had a camper and a two-horse. <laughs> man, I had I just, just rolling yeah. down the road, man. Dude, just, but you're free. I was, you're out in the world. Dude, that thing you got, got like 16, <laughs> 17 miles a gallon, man. Like, no I was way. rolling. I was almost like dumb. That's like having a traveling partner. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was just, and then that little that camper, man, I had it where I almost had a, a really thick mattress mm-hmm. and had like a sleeping bag in there and had blankets and kind of all, almost like a bedroll, right? So when you get in there, it was just like such a... The most comfortable of, place in the whole world. Oh my gosh, man. It was just the best <laughs> sleep ever. I remember those times, man. Uh, even not having a generator, but you'd crawl in that, that bedroll and it was like, it was you didn't need much. So I remember being a young guy and rodeoing. Like I, lo- I still love rodeoing. Not, I don't want to go rodeo. That's all I'm saying. But I still love rodeo as a sport. But as a young guy, it wasn't that I wanted to have a million dollars in my bank account. There were other things I would have pursued if making money was really a big deal. What I wanted was independence. I wanted to go see the mountains. I wanted to go meet the people. I wanted to go see the places I'd never been. I wanted to be out in the world on my own. Like, and and rodeoing, looking back on it, rodeoing was kind of like. Remember when you were in school? And there was this guy, and he was chasing this girl, and he'd, like, carry her books, and he'd bring her chocolates and write her poems. And she was really nice, but at the end of the day, she'd, like, go to prom with the quarterback. 
I feel like that was the relationship I had with rodeo, right? Like it was yeah. just never as good to me as I was it. But it was the idea of like a camper and a two horse, but dude, you're on the road. You're going to see all these places. You're at, like to be able to just fund that, even if a guy's not getting rich, to just be able to be a part of it and know like I'm gonna get able to eat a hamburger when I'm done. It's a lifestyle that is hard to describe. Man, and <laughs> there's several times, man, several, several times. I can't even count on my hands, but I, w- I would get to a rodeo. I'd take care of my horse. We'd, we'd, I'd put him in a stall. I'd pay for shaves, whatever, and I wouldn't have much, man, to, to eat on. Yeah, yeah. So I would, you know how much ramen noodle you can get for $10? <laughs> I absolutely you, do. Yes. <laughs> so, like, that's, I mean, like, you, you got to be a little... You got to have that dog in you if you're going to rodeo a little bit. There's something, these guys that are making the finals, even the barrel racers, the horses, there's something to these. these they're different, man. They're, yeah. they, 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 haven't, they don't give up. Gritty. You, you, you can't. Yeah. There's going to be a time, and, and I, Caleb Driggers and Junior, they, they, everybody that, that rodeos will go through it through one year. You're going to have a bad week. You're going to, and if, if it, I call it quicksand, if you get to fighting it, too bad you're gonna wind up over your head if you just relax you'll stay you'll stay alive you'll stay above yeah. you, you won't you yeah. won't sink you'll stay alive but like if, if you if you can just mentally mentally stay tough and stay hooked you have a chance but if you're if you have any kind of quit in you you're not gonna make it very long well and I think a guy can't give up the thing that made a made you love it in the first place you know, it's so easy, like, I missed a steer, I broke a barrier, I'm broke, I'm eating ramen noodle. And all of a sudden, like, the details really distract you from the fact that, like, I'm out here because I love it. Yeah. I'm doing this because I really do love it. And it's so easy for anybody. And that's when it turns into quicksand for me because yeah. then all of a sudden you're not even thinking about the good. Now it's like you're playing defense. Now you're breaking another barrier, so then now you're going to be late. And it just starts to, like, it can cascade on a guy, especially guys that don't come from any money because those consequences add up quick. Man, Jordan, I, I had a hard time with it mentally. Um, the last few years of my rodeoing, you know, I, I, I haven't rodeoed in two years, but, man, the last few years, I had, I had a cool kid. I was rolling with Jackson Tucker. He was 18, 19 years old. Just, just a cool kid, great attitude, good horses. He had a good rig, great. He still ropes really good. Like, he's gonna, he'll make the finals one day. He's a good kid. But, like, when I would miss one, you know, he's such a good kid, and I'm trying so hard to rope with him, too. You know, do good yeah. for him, too. And, like, if I'd mess up, I'd call home, and, you know, Arena might need me for something at the house. You know, something's broken. And, you know, even the kids, they might need me for something. The mental, the, what I was, what I, I would think about negative thoughts. Yeah, there's no really joy Not in good it. for yeah. you, like, yeah. for any person, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's, it's like, I suck, all this stuff. It's like... I mean, you don't suck. I mean, you're, you're, you rope good. It's like you're, you're in a tough spot. But if you're not all in in the rodeo game and, and fully committed to, to try to make the finals and be a world champion roper, you're, you won't make it. You can't. There's no half-hearted. And I got to a point where, like, man, I, I'm going to be all in and I'm going to try to continue this, this gold buckle journey that I'm on and try to be a world champion because... I mean, you gotta gotta sacrifice a lot if you're if you're wanting to be. If I, I had a family young, and I just can't leave them right now. You know what I mean? Like right. I, right. I feel like right now, especially like I want to be home. I want to be with my wife. I want to be with with the boys. I want to take them to junior rodeos. I want to push calves. I want to, I you know we've been tying. You know we've been 
teaching him how to bulldog, all this, you know, these little things. Yeah, the that, joy, the joy that you used to get out of rodeo, yeah. that same joy is now relocated. Because my kids don't really care about roping, but when I go to football practice with, or, or when I'm going to, like, my daughter's basketball game, I swear to you, it's that same excitement. It's that yeah. same feeling I used to get when I'd pull up and, like, they'd start playing the, you yeah. know, the, the national anthem. That same feeling I used to get with that. It's way more lame. Like yeah. there's no, there's nobody that's gonna like applaud you for sitting in the bleachers of basketball game. But it doesn't matter because to me, I love it. I love it the same. That's that's where it's at. I think that you're gonna get to a point. And I, I know I would regret it if I went and try to. I keep keep trying to make the finals and didn't make it. Whatever. I would regret it. I'd look back on it. I should have been home. Well, right now I'm like I, I don't I don't regret what I did in my rodeo career. I'm not saying I'm done, but I I'm not. I'm, I'm going to stay home for a little while and take care of, you know, my, my family. Are you going to circuit rodeo around here at all? I don't, I don't even really want to do that, man. I don't, I get these horses going to a certain point now and I sell them. And, um, I sold my, one of my favorite heel horses of all time. Lucky Luciano, I call him lucky Bucky, but I sold him to a good friend, Junior Nogueta. And it, it, uh, that horse helped him in his gold buckle journey. He even got to ride him at the NFR and stuff, man. And, that's it a cool talk, feeling. Talk about that. emotional, man. Like, you got to see it, too. It's yeah. like it's a little bit about your boy, man. You raised that thing yeah. kind of deal. Like, same thing. I That that horse was a little bit lost. Uh, he was a little bit blown up, roping-wise. Like, he, he had his, a few issues. Where'd you, it, where'd he come from, that horse? Man, I tell you what. it was. It's a funny story how y'all come about. I was roping Brandon Beers, and that's kind of about... I kind of got to hanging out with you that yep. summer and stuff yep, a little yep. bit. And... Uh, we're in Ellensburg, Washington. I'm in Jack Fish's house, and I, I got a couple horses that I'm riding, and I just, they just don't fit me, you know what I mean? They're good horses, but just not my style. They, right. Maybe just not just not right. But I've been, I was taking them, and I was roping on them, and I just catch one here and there, but I just would, would, would rope a leg. Brandon was roping good for me, and I was like, man, I'm getting a little frustrated. And um, Brandon Bates shows up. And uh, him, him and Jack are practicing, hanging out. And uh, he says, hey, I got this buckskin horse over there. Uh, do you have room for him to, to take him back to Arizona if, if you need to? Yes, he said, Just you can rope, find him a ride. rope on him, do whatever you need to do, man. This, you know, he, he is what he is. Uh, I asked about him. He said, yeah, he was, he's a blown up heel horse. The, the, the guys that had him were a little hard on him, and, and he don't really like. You don't like to practice a whole lot. He <laughs> kind of gets a little wound up, but he when you ride when you rope on him back into the box, he feels good. And man, I roped about twelve steers on him that day, and he was right on the money instantly. Just and I asked Brandon about him. You know, you mind if I take him to the to, to the rodeo? Ellensburg was was the next day. He said, "Yeah, no big deal." So first I, rodeo you took him to was that was dude, it Ellensburg? Like, it, was, it was like it was like I was riding my little bay horse Johnny Ringo again. Yeah, yeah. This horse is like knows where to go like he knows where to be like i can throw wherever i want to whenever i want to he knows you're where like to go. wait a minute healing is not as hard as i've been making all of a sudden <laughs> i can heal again <laughs> but this sucker was like he's he he's like jigs everywhere like he doesn't not want to stand still like yeah this sucker you get on him and go to ride to the arena like he's all over the place i'm i'm riding over there to <laughs> it's like to, embarrassing hey you're like what are oh you doing oh my gosh <laughs> like i even so so there's a funny story man this the, the whole story is pretty cool i don't know how that horse come about but so I'm, I'm riding up to it and he's jigging out from the from where we're up on top of the hill yep, all the way down yep. down down to the track over there once i get him on the track he gets worse 
Like, I don't know what, like, it's, it's like that he horse was crazy it. It was when coming. he got on tracks, man. He thought he was a racehorse. I don't know if, like, he just thought he, he just wanted to run off, man. Well, and you're like, and then, you, you want to have a reputation as a horseman, right? Like, nobody wants to be the guy that doesn't know what to do with the horse. And you're sitting there riding by. Dude, I get embarrassed, bumping, man, because I like, I like long manes and tail and just cool-looking horses. And just like, man, this horse is like that. He's just kind of crazy. And I, yeah. I see Brandon over there. It's like, dude, this horse, <laughs> has he ever done this? He said, he said, that horse is crazy, dude. Like, yeah. I, I don't, Has this horse ever done I, this? Every I, day. <laughs> he, he said, dude, I, 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 he's never really done it like that. But, like, yeah, he's he's not normal, man. He's not going to hurt you. Right. But he's he's going to jig, and he's going to want to run yeah, off. It's just like, embarrassing, but he's uh, fine. Almost like a like a barrel horse fixing to go. Like, he's, yeah. like, yeah. pumped up. And, like, we're not, like, I don't even have his boots on or nothing. Like, I, <laughs> like you know, we're just, so, I uh, like, I get him over there by the boxes. And I boot him up, and I I just sit right sit, sit over there the whole time. So if you get off of him and you're holding him, is he still going like a like a show steer? Oh, he's fine once you get off. Yeah, lead him like he'll lead like a show steer. It's like he just chills. He'll almost take a big deep breath when you lead him. <laughs> and so like, this is the whole story. So you're funny. on foot, just so, like loping him around the track, so, trying to warm him up. So when I got to the the box over there, I don't I don't move him. You know, I boot him up. And I go. Me and Brandon are one of the first teams out, and he says, "Hey, dude, this steer sucks. He's off to the right. He hauls butt." And, he was probably and, and a he, had, he had TiVo, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, he had TiVo. I'm like, you're worried about this deer running? You got that big race you got horse? TiVo. Yeah, he's like, Fine. no, this horse, this deer's fast, dude. And I'm like, all right, man. And he says, hey, off to the right. He told me like five times, <laughs> hey, he's off to the right, kind of trying to hold him a little bit. So I get lucky in the box, okay? And I go to stand him in the middle of the box, kind of hold that steer up. Well, lucky spins, dude. And Brandon's just not quite ready in the box, so it was it was okay. Thank God, I'm that, like, yeah. oh crap. So then Brandon's about ready, and I turn him around there, and w- that steer he did haul ass, and I did hold him. And about the time the head loop goes on, you remember Tivo how oh, strong yeah. he was, oh, yeah. and the steer stepped back to the right. You know how them steers will do that. I remember the this shot. Separation. I remember this shot vividly. I threw about a coil or two, and I get him, and like I dally, I'm like, holy shit. I got two feet. We placed it in the day. I was in one of the, like, I want to. You still have that video somewhere? I know man, that. Man, I, I don't know if I got the video, but I, know that I, I got it. a it was, picture it of was, it. It was a remarkable heel I, shot. I threw a coil. Like, I remember releasing a coil out of my left hand and sent it out there, and it took a second before it finally hit the steer. <laughs> And it's then like all a of a sudden, my bottom strand, my bottom like, <laughs> slipped around there. I'm like, I got him. Like, I got a deli I, now. <laughs> like, I really didn't think I was going to get him. And this horse, like, was, worked so good. Like, he he was in the perfect spot because, like, that steer was off the right. He's either going to go by, run into the steer, and he drug his butt and so got back to the inside of that, that steer was the somehow. First steer. Got back to the inside of that steer and allowed me to see the feet so I could throw it out there. So that run, hold on. That run was the first steer for money you ever ran on that horse, and you right, pulled I've off that shot. I've only healed about 15 steers before I took him to the rodeo, And too. pulled off that shot. That's so, unreal. So then he, he's, he jigs, you know, all the way back to where I take him back to the— <laughs> And I'm like, I'm going to get off of this thing. So I walk him all the way up to the people that know that have been to Ellsbury before. They know where they park you way up on top of the hill. It's a, it's a, it's yeah, a walk, it's a and for now, it's, it's an uphill walk. So I walk him up, and I'm kind of happy, so I don't mind walking, no big deal. <laughs> so the next round, you know, like it's later on that afternoon. The slack was first thing in the morning, and they come back the, that afternoon. Brandon says, hey, we got one that runs just as fast, but he's off to the left. And so he says, hang back a little bit. Let him see if we can keep him straight for just a second. So this time I backed him all the way in the back of the box, and I figured out Lucky likes it when you hang out in the back. He was way cool in the back. He kind of was relaxed in the back of the corner there. So the gates pop, 
and I go to like give him his head and like the steer just straight to the bucket shits over there. Left about that time, this Brandon brings straight heat, man, on TiVo. And it like I'm just barely leaving the box, and Brandon's <laughs> like kind of starting to bring the heater right there, <laughs> and I, I haven't even started to swing yet, man. Like, and I sent the steers going off that way, and I send that horse to that steer, and the head loop goes on. Brandon ducks, goes back to the, the left corner, and you you're now you're in the wall. There's nowhere so it's to not go. Gonna be, it's not going to be a big, nice straight line. Like it, 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 Ellensburg is so tight, people that don't know. That wall, especially fast, that wall is right there. Right. And if you get it on him and that steer's coming left, you're coming back up the wall now. Brandon pretty much steer stopped the steer, pulled him one stride and and and, and faced is what I did. But like I was behind. I felt like I was never gonna get there. But I started my delivery and that horse accelerated and drug his butt to where he needed to be. Like we were we were two horse lengths away from the steer and he drug his butt and helped me heal that steer. And so same thing when I get done roping the steer, like he's jigging on. I'm like, this horse is crazy. This horse is, I don't know what he's thinking about. Well, that's a pretty crazy. But when crazy, you back him in the box, he knows where to go, and what to do. What is this horse thinking like during the run or like before the run and after? I don't know what he's thinking. It's like almost like uh, Conor McGregor. Like he's wanting to fight yeah. something. Like he's, he's slapping himself in the face. He's jacked up. Like I'm going to I'm gonna get this deer. I'm going to get him. I'm going to eat he him. he does. And like he, he do when you dally. Like he wants to wreck him. Like every time. Like Jackal. Like I rode Jackal uh, three steers, you know, and it was in the practice pen. But that little buckskin horse yeah, had yeah. the same power yeah, as Jackal yeah. did. It's really? unbelievable. Like he would ruin heel ropes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and so... So that's crazy. That's a Brad, crazy start. The yeah. first two, for those to be the two runs, and you're like, I've run two steers on this horse so far. Placed, about to placed run in both day monies, too. Bottom bottom of both day monies. We just, you know, we were like. But you know, good on eight, two. Yeah. We were actually third callback. We got a really good callback to the short go. Maybe, but we're right there pretty close to the leaders, too. We weren't very far apart. Yeah. Like, it was, we made two pretty damn good runs. So short go time, we get the loper. We, we fight, we're straight down the middle. He's going to check up and roll around there and give me the sweetest little heel shot. And, like, I got to thinking, all these other steers, we brought back that one that goes back to the right. We brought the one back, come back that goes to the left. We brought some shitty steers back to the short go. Yeah. And the high callback guy I got one of them, and, and we got the loper. Brandon hits the barrier, hangs it on him right there. Lucky just gives me a heck of a heel shot. We win the rodeo, win the short go, win the rodeo. And, and that's how I started his career off. When did then, you, at what point did you buy him in there? I asked Brandon. I says, what do you, what do you, what do you got to have for this horse? He should have asked him before you took him. <laughs> well, he kind of gave me a number. And he says, uh, I says, listen, man, I can't pay for him right now. I don't, I don't have the cash to buy him right now. Um, would you take payments on him? And he knows the horse. He's like, this ain't going to be just, he's, he says, I've never seen that horse work as good for anybody as he does you. He, right. That horse likes you for some reason. Yeah. And like even being around him and stuff, he knows he was crazy and stuff. He's like, man, that horse do you feel like the price? Good. Do you feel like the price went up after you won Ellensburg? Man, we made a deal. He, he had him priced at 15000 and uh, he said, it. I'll, I'll let you make payments if you will agree with seventeen five. And I says, that'll work. Fair enough. That, that, well, and, and for, it took for me, a horse you just won Ellensburg on, that's a fair That's a fair deal. I give him a piece of the chunk right there of the money, and it took me a, um, a little over right around two months to finally pay him off. It was 2500 here, 5000 here. You know, next thing you know, I had him paid off. Like that's it was so right. a little, little less than two months. And then Junior Nogueta, same thing. I sold him to him, and he didn't. He had him 
paid off pretty fast too. Like he Did won you sell a lot him of money. Seventeen five when you sold him. No, no, it was <laughs> there was a seven, seven, but they had a few more zeros and stuff. But you know, it, it, I just felt like he was my friend, and I tried to sell him at a at a fair price, and I feel like he got all the good out of that horse. We got a buckle in that year. He got got the buckle that you know, like especially the, sh the last couple steers he roped. And I always wanted to, to make the finals on that horse because I was curious to see how much fun he would be at that place. Yeah. Because that's the hardest place to rope anywhere for a healer. The healers, like, there's a lot of pressure and you don't get much much time to heal a steer over there. That happens fast. And, and uh, the, the way that horse can get up the arena and maneuver his body to get around the corner and stuff is it's um, very unique. There are not very many. As, as many horse I'm riding nowadays, it's it's got to be in them a little bit. Like yeah. they got to kind of have that that want to to do it, or else they're never gonna well, be at that, that level. He didn't take him out there to ride him, really, right? I mean, he took him out there thinking he was gonna ride his buckskin, the other buckskin, and it was what round six or seven, seven, I believe, is when he when he started getting on him, I believe, because uh, he curled the front leg on on his on his horse. He called Timon. And uh, horse almost got just a touch free that week. Yeah, and that's kind of a, a thing. You got to kind of want to have a backup over there just in case something doesn't go right. It's a feel. Yeah. If it feels right, you're gonna win. If there's something, <clears throat> if the horse doesn't feel right, if your rope don't feel right, there's it's not gonna be good. You what's know? that? What's that feeling? I mean, thinking about the Ellensburg bouncing around, all, like how that started. What's that feeling? You're sitting there watching it on TV and see that horse in that arena. That's my boy. You get you had the same feeling this last year watching your gray. It's like yeah. man, we've been through a lot of. A lot of hard times together, a lot of slow, because that, that horse, um, I scored a lot on him and chilled a lot on him. Like, I, I would only rope maybe one or two yeah, and just score maybe 10 or 15, just chilled him out, run him, let him go down the arena a couple, two, three sides, stop him. Just take him, see if I can back get him half a turn. Because I feel like I could get him in the practice pen. I would almost put a ring snaffle on him, too, and just kind of go about it. But I could almost get him to chill out in the practice pen if I did it like that. Yeah. If I continued to rope on him a little bit, you could see him. You can feel him, his neck and everything just start tensing up. And you can yeah, feel him. Just, and he started running harder, stopping harder. It's like, man, that's just too much. I don't, I don't need that. So the, I'm just trying to... I got him at the right time because if I'd have got him early on in my career, I think I would have fought with him. But yeah. being involved with the rope horse maturities and stuff now, like I, Dakota um, and Brad Lund helped mm -hmm. Dakota Kurtz Logger, Brad Lund talked to me a lot about try to think like a horse, try to be, if, you know, be the rider you, you would want to be. Yeah. And, and kind of like lucky. I, I, that horse is a lot like me. Don't like to be picked on, man. So like, I just try to stay out of his way a little bit, try to be his buddy. Yeah. Hang out with him, you know. I fed him good. Like we're buddy, I give him baths almost daily. You know what I mean? Like we're pals. You know, I yeah. try to try to let him know you're you're my you're my best friend. You know, like I need you out here. Like this, we need each other. Yeah. And so, like I think that kind of helped him out a lot to get over his stuff. Like he never he never spun in the box ever again after that. Really? Never, never with me ever. He wouldn't I even he wouldn't even get tight hardly in the box. He'd back in there. He'd move around there a little bit, but it was almost like he's ready. You know. I've seen him over here right at this arena right here downtown in December. With Junior, like, right in the short round. And, dude, I'm telling you what, I don't know that I've ever seen a horse doing the things he was doing. They stood there, and he scored, and they won the roping. Yeah. But I'm telling you what, mister, this sucker has, <laughs> like, got his belly on the ground. He is quick Athletic, and man. Like, it's, yes, it's amazing. Hey, I, like, it's it's not fun to watch because, like, you think about, man, if, that was, if I was on that horse, would I trust that he's actually going to work right here? Because it looks like at any moment he's just going to go, like, full breakdown. And he still worked, but. Man, that sucker wanted it as bad as you did. 
And that's kind of like, I, I felt like selling them to Junior was a perfect. That's another thing with selling horses. Sometimes I find out like I, I've sold horses that didn't fit the rider style and, and it was too much horse and I got the horse back. Yeah, been there. Like I'm trying to match styles that way the, the horse and the rider are happy. Yeah. And I don't think I could have picked a better person to sell that horse to because that guy wants it bad. He, he if, if he kind of had a horse of spirit or was a horse, Junior would just be just like that, man. He's just wild. <laughs> it's like, wild, his, it's you like know? his spirit twin. But when he, when he does, when he back him in the box, he's ready to do work. You know, it's yeah. kind of how, how that horse is. So that's perfect match. I don't mean to drag it all the way backwards, but what was the first horse? Like, how did you end up? Because if you and Coulter made the finals that early, how did you get into the first horse that was good enough to go rodeo on? Man, um, an uncle of mine, uh, Cruz de la Cruz, bought... Wait, his name is what? Cruz de la Cruz. His name is Cruz de la Cruz. Cruz, Cruz de la Cruz. That's like Matt Robertson being Robert Robertson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny, right? Well, man, Cruz uh, was my my real dad's brother. Okay. So he's, he's, he's my uncle. And then George, you know, is like th- them guys... And George is Rose. who? George is your mom's sister? Yeah. Or mom's brother? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they're, George taught Cruz how to rope. So, like, they're real, real tight. So George had this cute little bay horse, and he was four years old, fixing to be five. Green green horse, but worked really good. Cruz bought the horse, and, um, man, I I always wanted that horse. I thought it was so cool, and I watched Cruz rope. I was like, man, that horse is rank. That sucker's so good. Well, it wasn't. Man, it wasn't a few months later. I guess it was maybe, it, it might have been more, about five months down the road. Uh, Cruz sold him to me. How old were you? I was, man, I had to be about, I was still in college. I was about 20. It was after I made the college finals, you know, and I come back for the second semester of school. And that horse. Personally, my favorite thing about the podcast is the relationships that I've made. And that includes the companies that have come alongside the Flatbed Podcast to make this possible. You guys will never hear a happier Jordan Weaver than right now. I've just partnered with Ranch Hand Solar Lighting Systems. Let me tell you all what, everybody asked me the same question. Arizona's great, but what about the summers? There's nothing worse on ropes than when the sand is 120 degrees. It's hard on your cattle. It's hard on your horses. I've been panicking. We have partnered with Ranch Hand Solar Lighting Systems. Let me tell you why this is different. Everybody's like, well, I can't afford the light bill. Who can afford the $50,000 install? We don't need stadium lights. We just need enough light to rope when it's not hot, when it's not hot outside, right? Ranch Hand Solar Lighting Systems, these mount on temporary poles, an average of 14 to 16 lights per arena, no more than $10,000 total. And there is no light bill. You can put them up, turn the lights on, you're roping at dark. I cannot tell you how excited I am about these. They've got a one-year warranty, 10-year lifespan, dust-to-dawn battery longevity. You can fully charge a battery on these solar lights in six hours to get 12 hours of production. I'm telling you, do yourself a favor. I'm leasing this arena this summer, and I didn't want to put a full-on infrastructure of lights, right? This is temporary. You put them up, you set them up. If you ever move, you take them down, you take them with you. I'm telling you guys, check them out. RanchHandSolarLighting.com. Do it right now. In 2014, we launched the 1017 Project, an idea that could give value to roped-out rope and steers and protein to people in need. Since then, we have donated hundreds of thousands of pounds of hamburger to food banks, after-school programs, women's shelters. Last year, the 1017 Project gave away $699,000 worth of hamburger to the people who needed it the most. You can get involved by going to the 1017project.com. If you're going to attend an event in Arizona, check out ropingcalendar.com. It is the most comprehensive list of everything that's going on in Arizona. You can search by a date, 
arena. You can even search by jackpot number. You can look for only the jackpot numbers that you're looking for at ropingcalendar.com. It's available in Google, iTunes, anywhere that you get your electronic apps, it's there. Check it out, ropingcalendar.com. It was after I made the college finals, you know, and I come back for the second semester of school and that horse worked out. My Uncle George told me and I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty grateful for, for that. I, I didn't didn't want to do it, but I just trusted him, you know. Right. He says, you're going to sell the horse that got you to at that, that you know, at that time, an eight yep. was as high as you can get. I had a horse that got me to an eight. And, 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 and now that I was roping open ropes, going to these rodeos and stuff, I needed a little more horse. Do you think of somebody so, like Michael Camelot that has roped so good so early? I mean, this is just a kid. And he's always rode that same horse. Like, he's going to go through that. Exactly what you're talking about. Like, in my mind, you already see it. Like, he's going to pass the horse that got him there. And that would be hard because that horse has been so good for him for so long. Like, man, this is the horse that got yeah. me here. It'd have to, like... It's almost like you're kind of like breaking up with a girlfriend to go. Like, Man, Sorry, I got to upgrade. He's gonna like that. You're gonna have to try to find a horse that matches that style, like you did. That took him to to another level. And that's the thing that that horse. When I got Johnny Ringo, he took me. Johnny to Ringo a, was the bay you're talking about. Yeah, okay. he took me to a whole another level. Like this horse could do it all. He scored good. He run hard. He he stopped the right way. He pulled on the steers really hard, and it's like man, I. This is a horse that if I was to be successful, this is the horse I need. So what I would what George he he had a client that needed an old man's horse. So the horse that got me to that point, to that number eight, we sold him and the same day I didn't make any money on the deal. The same day I bought Johnny Ringo. Just a straight up trade. Straight up trade. But Johnny Ringo was a little bit hair trigger in the box. Like he was a little bit kinda a little bit French fried in there, just <laughs> running so many steers at such a young age, right? So yeah. I the first week I had him George wouldn't let me rope very many fast steers. Mm -hmm. We, yeah, George was riding outside horses, so we were training horses, man. So like, I'm gonna work these head horses, and you just stay on that heel horse the whole day, and we're gonna rope walkers and trotters. You bet. And the next that weekend, we went to Sonoida. Uh, it, it was an amateur rodeo, and I ended up doing really good on him over there. And same thing as as, as Lucky, you know, it's the first place I took him to, we won, and that's kind of like right away. that's how how you know, I guess, if if a horse fits you. You're you're gonna it's gonna take you to a a level maybe more one or two levels yeah then, and and I think that a, a horse that you're better than is just gonna kind of hold you at that level yeah and so at that time Coulter had a heel horse that was pretty big long strided but he healed on him a lot he called Frisco he actually won the 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 U S finals on him on the heel side the year before Coulter won the U S finals healing healing twice really. Dude. I was a calf rope. Keep in mind, I was a calf roper, it, so there was a lot of this that was going on back when I didn't care about team roping. And there's a lot of Coulter Todd stories that I hear nowadays that I just wasn't paying attention to. That guy is amazing. He never missed back in the day, dude. Like when, as a kid, like Clay Cooper and these guys, like I got to practice with Coulter. Like we worked at it real hard. I'd go to the ranch and we'd rope all day, man. And this guy would rope goats and wouldn't miss. And he'd go to the practice pit and he wouldn't miss. It's like he's using these old three-strand ropes and all, you know, the, these old school <laughs> the ropes. Makers. And they're all wore out. And they're just trash, you know what I mean? He's just healing these things down, you know. And it's just like, man, I that, that guy never missed. So he had this Frisco horse. Like I said, the little long stride. You know how some of them heel horses are sweet to head on? Mm -hmm. Well, he could just get out over that horse and duck and turn them back, and that horse can run and score and did all, did all right. And so Coulter, he went from being a healer, wanting to make the NFR as a healer, couldn't get nobody to head for him. 
Right. So he started heading for, for Roy Alexander. He wrote with Mel Potter, so he started heading for Roy. Well, the culture starts kicking the crap out of him right away. Like, it went just like he just starts heading and just wins and wins. He's got real right now. Yeah, and he figured it out fast. And then um, it was it was 2005. We, we, get, we get paired up. And uh, Roy doesn't want to go to... Uh, to California, doesn't want to go to Laughlin and all that stuff. I was roping Brett Boatwright in the wintertime. I got into all the winter rodeos, and I was roping Brett. We didn't win very much. We won just a few thousand, but Brett's like, man, I'm not going out there to California. And I says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a partner to go out there in Cali since it's just pretty close to Arizona. So, And uh, he lived in Oklahoma. And same thing, Coulter, we needed, we needed a partner, so we roped together. Well, man, we, we do really good at Laughlin, placing a couple day monies. And uh, we go to Logandale, we win Logandale. We go to Red Bluff, we win second or third at Red Bluff. Go to Clovis, uh, we make the, we're high callback Clovis, that's some bad luck, but we ended up winning. We just win everywhere. We At what point in this process did it click that you guys are like, oh, I guess we're team room partners now? Man, right, all, right away? It, it, was, it was pretty much right away whenever we started roping with each other. It's like, man, we're going to keep going because we're both poor boys. Like, we're going to keep going until... We can't go. It's a dream. We're living our dream, man. Yeah. I never thought when I was younger it was a dream. That's what I wanted to do. I really didn't tell nobody. Like, if they would listen, I guess I'd tell them. But I didn't think that I could make the finals coming where I come from. I didn't. I didn't think that. I, I didn't ever think that I'd have a horse like that. I didn't ever think that, man. Like, there was these kids talking about being millionaires. You know what I mean? They're. You know they're. They want to be millionaires when they're 15, 16 years old. They're like, man, that'd be. I want to be a millionaire too. That'd be cool. But then I was like, man, if I can do it with my rope, yeah. that'd be so cool. You know, I that, would live with whatever I got yeah. if I could do it with my rope. Right. Yeah. Man, I, was, I just like, man, I just, I want to try to try to do that. And like, we'd win, we'd win here and there. And like, we'd go, every team goes through it. The header's going to have hell for a week. The healer might have a hell the next week. But you guys stay hooked and you're back on track, winning, winning, winning. And we ended up winning Cheyenne that year. No and it's way. like this little bay horse, that little buckskin horse that he had was just like the perfect team. Cause like that horse was strong right there in the corner and would slow him down just enough, and that little heel horse I rode was drag his butt around the corner, man. And it was just like the perfect little team. So, and I, so that's, Coulter's that's, head horse that he won the U.S. Finals on twice healing is the one he was like, well, I yeah. guess you're a head horse now. Yeah. And, off you and go. then and then it was so we finished up 17th and 18th in, in the year, the in 2005. That next year, now we get to start the year off full year. So, like, we're kind of really pumped. And, like, I've talked about this. I've got a podcast I'm starting myself. We know a co nice. host with, with some guys. Heck yeah. And I talked about it last night. What's How, it called? The Tolleson Mac Podcast. And the town in Phoenix, South Phoenix, Tolleson, Arizona, they got yeah. some buddies that, that uh, they, they grew up in that, that town right there. They're just wanting to kind of. No, when we get there. done, show me. I'll okay. subscribe to it. Yeah. But, like, man, that Coulter would get up in the morning. And, and we would run a set of steers. We'd run, I mean, 40, 50 steers in the morning. Like, you'd ride, ride a couple head horses. I'd ride a couple heel horses. We'd rope. We'd practice hard. And then he had, he had a real job. He worked for Mel Potter. So about 9 o'clock, he'd go over there to Mel's place. And he'd, he'd work the colts, the babies. He'd halter break a lot of them. He'd trim colts. Like, he, colts are really good with the young horses. And then about, about lunchtime, he'd come home, and he'd throw up the dummy a little bit you know crack it on them horns he used to have a big old big spread about mm-hmm. as long as my arms you know big old set of horns and he'd rope that before lunch and then 
after lunch he'd go back and Corey was 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 living over there and him and sherry are married you know now but at that yep. time they were dating and so Corey was living over there and Corey would have heel horses lined up ready ready to practice so coulter rope from one o'clock all the way to five o'clock did mel have a bunch of head horses a bunch of head horses yeah. coulter trained some good ones for for mel they sold quite a few about that a couple of years coulter was rodeoing yeah some nice horses and uh then he'd come home he'd 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 want to rope some more we'd rope another 50 or so man like we roped that guy worked at it so hard and like to see him you know like he was he was my fearless leader man like i'm following that guy yeah i'll follow that guy to the gates of hell man i'm telling you like that guy's my hero so like to see him work at it and see how much effort he put onto it like i would like try so hard at yeah, the road he's like man, i'm not gonna mess up for this guy he's trying so hard he had a family young too as as and so like i felt like it was my responsibility like as an uncle you know kind of uncle yeah. caesar but right like i gotta catch these steers by two feet so i took it real serious man like hard on myself when i would mess up but like just kind of part of part of me but so them horses man I, I i i will preach up and down you have to have a horse that wants it as bad as you, and you have to have a very talented horse. If not somebody, two or three years, you're not going to be able to make it nowadays. These horses are so good now. I feel like I kind of know. I mean, it's, I, I'm, it's all, all I'm doing right now is training horses at the moment. I'm hoping that's not a forever gig, but it's where <laughs> I'm at right now. Um, I feel like I can kind of tell you when a horse wants it, but if a guy doesn't know, if a guy, I mean, a guy's looking for a horse, most people don't have money to go buy four or five, right? Like you're going to spend a lot of what you own in the world to try to buy one. How do you tell somebody to identify how to find a horse that wants it as bad as you do? What do you, how do you tell somebody to look for that? It, it, it's, it's, so if you're a guy coming over here to Wickenburg and you're roping in, in the lower number ropings and stuff, you don't need, need a horse like a, a Junior Nogueta type, type right. of guy needs, right. you know, um, I, I compare the the rodeo type horses to to Navy SEALs or you know any any kind of the elite military type. You know they're they're hardcore. They know their job. They're machines. They 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 will give you everything they got. Yeah, that's a rodeo horse. And so if you're a rodeo cowboy, you need to find a horse like that. And you're gonna have. A lot of them horses, they might have a few issues like Lucky Bucky. He's all there, you know, like yeah. that you're going to have a few issues with all that power and speed and agility. And so if you're if you're a number five elite roper, you don't need that horse. You don't need you don't need because you're yeah, you're, you're never going to tap guy. into it anyway. Well, right. And you're not going to be able to ride a horse like Lucky needed needed love every day, man. You need a road. You need you need to spend some time with him and get get too fresh. And that's yeah. that's what I've found out that these guys they're a number five roper and they're a businessman and they don't get to rope every day yep. and they don't even get to ride every day. Right. And you got to find a horse that you can sit in the stall for, for a week and throw a saddle on and he's not going to buck you off, you know? like. So even that, even that though, is finding a horse that wants it as bad as you do. What Meaning, if, you, if you're good with roping once a week, you got to find a horse that's yes. like going to be good with roping once a week. Right. Because like for me, if I was trying to rodeo, I want to rope every single day. So I want to find a horse that needs it every single day. You know, a horse that like really is going to start to kind of get dull on it after a while. Like, I, I guess I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but if I'm understanding what you're saying, match your level of intensity for what you want to do yes, to that absolutely. horse's level of intensity. Absolutely. Because, like, you're training horses now. You're going to have a horse that just, 
he just doesn't want to be a pro rodeo horse. He's just not going to be like that gray horse you, you, yeah. you sold the lightning. He's not, they're not that right. type. Right. But you know what? They got the spirit to kind of, you know, take care of the World Series horse, yeah. bang, go, and just kind of run right up to the spot and be yeah. real free and real, real easy going. And shoot, he, he can lead, you don't have to ride him for a week. You can go put your grandkids on him and, and they yeah. can warm him up and ride him around. Those kind of horses are, are very valuable, just as valuable as a PRCA rodeo horse is to a, a PRCA guy. Right. You, you, yeah, you're no, matching, exactly. you're matching, matching the horse for the rider. And I have a hard time with a low number guy thinking he's going to train a, a a younger horse. I, it's it's like the reason more. why the good horses get really good is because the guys that are handy on them, but a horse only learns when you're catching on them. <laughs> and if you're a guy that's not you, catching consistently, in case, in case the horse is out, not going to learn anything. Can you repeat what you – in case somebody wasn't paying attention, can you repeat what you just said? The only <laughs> way a horse is going to get consistent is if you catch on the, the horse. And that's hard to do on a young horse. If you yes. – like, it's not like going and riding the season when you go, I catch a lot. Well, go get on a young one because sometimes those young ones, they're weaving in and out or they're yep. lost. And you're having to, Like, you're having to push all the buttons on the dashboard to fly the plane and also still catch – that's an uphill battle for a guy that's still working on his catching. Yes, and like it, you're just gonna get you're gonna get frustrated with the horse. The horse is gonna get frustrated with you. You're gonna get problems in the box. You're gonna, they're gonna get strong run down the arena. It's just you're gonna have issues if if you don't like these guys like Joseph Harrison and Dakota Kirchslager, the Trevor Brazils, Miles Bakers. These guys are so good with their left hand and their what their legs are doing. Yeah, they can ride a three and four year old. And they can train them really right. as good as you can get them. Right, because the catching but is almost an afterthought. I don't recommend a number five or number four elite thinking he's going to train a number a, a four a, a four year old a five year old horse. It's right. just not going to work right. that it's way. It's not going to be a fun process. It's, and, and the chances of success go way down. It's just like I said, you're gonna, you're going to get frustrated with the horse. The horse going to get frustrated with you, and you're going to you're going to clash. Yeah. I think uh, if you're if you're like we're talking about matching, you know, abilities. I feel like if if you can get on a horse and you can go to the practice pen, you can score a few, run a few, and enjoy the roping side of it, yeah, that is the horse for you. Well, and I also, I mean, to add to that, I roping calves, you always want like your rodeo horse and a young one coming up. All right, that's just like standard operating procedure. You got your rodeo horse, one coming up, or maybe two and one coming up. But what I what I really believe is in the team roping world, there's so much money to be won in the World Series anymore that really it's almost like they put the carrot at the wrong end of the stick. You're almost de-incentivizing someone progressing in their number, which is stupid. You should always want to get better. I hate when someone's like, man, I'm working on getting my number bumped down. Shut up. I, I can't stand that. Like, even if you're not winning, work at it. But don't want to get worse. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Don't desire to be worse. If you've had, like, a traumatic injury, Maybe. Maybe. But if it's me, if I was a number seven and I go through an injury, my goal is to stay a number seven even with the injury adversity, right? But if your winning is not keeping up, a lot of times I wonder if it's like people aren't developing bad habits in their roping because they're trying to be horse trainers when really a cheap older horse, I mean, dude, you can you can go find cheap horses that are 16, 17, 18 years old. You're like, well, that's not as exciting because I'm not going to be able to sell them. But look at the good that your roping gets out of that for cheaper. And, yep. and you make your money at the ropes. You make your money at the jackpots because you, instead of trying to be like trendy and buying a young one that's really going to like obstruct your progress, you go buy an old one that knows the deal, get him injected, take care of him. And that horse is going to be an asset. Right. I, I think old horses are the most underappreciated asset in the state of Arizona right now. Right. 
like there's there's a market for 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 different types of horses so if you're a, a younger guy that can't afford a horse that and i understand because i was that way i had to train my own Absolutely. horse and I, i've been there but like you got to find a, a one that that say you're number five and you're going to ride it in the number 10 roping and stuff try to find a a good horse that'll fit you for that kind of roping but honestly if you're if you're a young guy out here and you're in arizona and you're going to the jackpots you're going to downtown you're you can find the same horse for the same price you can find one that's maybe 15 or 16 that is ready to rock and roll right Today, now day one. and you can win your money back they pay twenty five thousand, thirty thousand over there every week at rancho rio it seems like downtown yeah. arena they, they they pay that kind of money out here right and it's like you 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 come on a young horse over here to the jackpots and you're gonna try to get him seasoned against these guys that got good horses and they're out for blood so i've I, i've been talking about this a lot and so when you're when you're a rodeo guy and you consider yourself a shark okay and you're going to jump in this big ocean with all these other sharks there's great whites there's tiger sharks there's 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 bull sharks there's the oceanic white tip sharks and these are all <laughs> predators man did you say and, oceanic white tips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, right. all right yeah those are one of my but, favorites man they, they got the white tips but like those those are those are mean no you know what i mean those, yeah. those are those are they smell blood they're getting they're after you yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. you're and not gonna you're, the you're not gonna last unless you're a shark yeah. That's all. It's a simple fact. If you're rodeoing, barrel racing, calf roping, bull riding, you have to be a shark. If you if you go swim with them, and you you know you go swim with one of the bull sharks, the great whites, you're going to become one. Yeah. You know what I mean? You swim with them enough. That's just part of it. But if if you're not willing to sacrifice and and like, there's going to be times you're going to lose, and there's going to be times you're going to you know these guys are going to win. You have to mentally prepare yourself that I'm not going to quit. And and the Coulter and I. The, this another thing that helped us out is like he told me and I believed it and I told him the same way too and I, I hope I, I feel like he believed it too like I started with you in January I'm finishing with it in October I'm not going to jump around very Dude, much I love that and I man that. the the first eight years of my career I wrote with two different partners no kidding and then I started getting into where I was jump rope with this guy in the winter time and this guy <clears throat> There's nothing we talked about a little bit earlier. The, the camaraderie I had with, with Coulter and Derek, like we're roping together, man. This is we're gonna give it a full year. We're roping together. Well, was, so hard. Was, it's was so hard to stay focused and go for, be the shark if you think at any moment it could be over. Like, you're not doing your partner any good. If you're the guy that's gonna just cut somebody, you're not doing your partner any good because the back of his mind, he knows like, man, I've roped two legs in a row. This might be my last week. There's no confidence. I've, I've been that guy, and I've been cut too. Oh. You know, what I mean, like it's 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 tough for a healer nowadays because there's another healer coming up. Yeah, that ropes really good, and and yeah, like he's probably eighteen every, or nineteen years old every <laughs> year, man. Like uh, I'm, I'm I remember Peyton Bray when he was just a little boy, cute little fella had his rope all the time with, and I mean just roping all the time. And next thing you know, he got to not to being a little kid no more. He's getting to be a man now, and like roping like a a man you're like yeah. wait a minute and he makes the finals at a young age and now he's he's a world-class healer and i yeah. remember this he was just a little bitty boy right. you know what i'm saying right and it's like these guys and there's are, another guy behind him and behind him and behind right. him every year they're coming dude we talked about earlier little michael camo was, was whipping my ass when he was 11 years old at these <laughs> jackpots you know what i mean yeah 
and he he's just turned 14 dude right like, like and he's a 90 elite he's as high as you can get without making the finals like he the people around here wickenberg and all these guys they got tired of him winning everywhere so they yeah. raised him as high as you can possibly get and that's right. kind of a, the sad thing about um about rope really good at a young age they they will raise you high yeah but the difference between like little mike and and myself is we didn't have the junior bfis we didn't have the junior nfrs and all these little little junior things right. that these young guys kind of look forward now to. they can go yeah. be as good as they want to be we'll shoot a couple of these kids you know i watched them at you know at the the junior nfr and man they're throwing their hat after the world title you know they have their saddles and everything it's like they won the, won the yeah, world like it was they're for their age it's That's... preparing themselves for when they're 18 and they go rodeo and they they have that kind of success it's like I've seen this before, you know what I mean? When I turned 18, I'd never seen, you know, I was just a, Brand new it was pressure. a big ocean out there, man. It was a big ocean out there. What are you doing now? Because you're not rodeoing, yeah. you got family, you married yeah. Matt Robertson's sister, for people that don't know. The, I got to tell you, and I, this is going to embarrass me, but I, I didn't know who she was. Jake and Jim Cooper, when I was in college, I remember him talking about, like, dude, that arena Robertson, that's wife material. She can rope, like, really, really good. She's pretty. She can talk crap to everybody. And that was all. I didn't know Matt. I didn't know Rhea. didn't know you. Didn't know anybody, right? That was, that was like my introduction to the whole Robertson family. It was Jake yeah. and Jim talking about her after like the, the – they're, they're probably not going to be real thrilled about me talking about it. Uh, married to Arena. Her sister is married to Clay Tryon. Yep. Matt Robertson, John Robertson, Clay Robertson. What do you – like what's life look like now? Man, it, it's been fun. Um, we're, we're a family of ropers, right? And, and it's just cool to see all the kids. I'm, I'm really pushing the cowboy lifestyle, especially nowadays in rodeo and roping, just because it's, I feel it's a good life. You know what I'm saying? Especially what's going on in our world nowadays. You're qualified. Haven't yeah. lived where you lived and seen what you've seen. You're qualified to say, like, this is why I prefer it. If somebody yeah. rode up on a ranch and that's all they've ever known, of course they're going to say that because that's all they've got, right? Yeah. You're in a unique position that when you say it's it. a better life. Yeah, yeah. You've got something to compare it to. And, and like, I, I, my wife is beautiful you talked about i love her to death you know arena i love her so much but she's super tough and like she is wife material I, I, that's why i fell in love with her she was a seven and uh, you know you don't very get to see very many women seven ropers and at that time it was beverly robbins arena and tammy uh tammy white tammy. yeah it used to west. be tammy west back yeah. in the day but just uh, married to ryan white best ever pats and so those are the only three women that were sevens. Well, that's like you're saying, like Michael Camelot, the junior yep. BFIs. The the opportunities for women to go be team ropers were not what they are today. It's a, she dream, she was she would dream about like wanting to make the finals. Like she was when she was a little girl. But like when she got to that pro rodeo type level, it's a it's a different different yeah. game out there. Like it's, it's amazing how fast, good, how many great headers that haven't made the finals. I mean real deal amazing guys that wrote really really good that didn't get so for a girl to set her sights on the nfr that's a tall order that that she set her goals real high and then she went to college and uh made the college finals and, and was a intercollegiate world champ in 2002 all-around world champ so yeah it's and and my, the day my life is i like to i get up first thing in the morning i'm just kind of that way my grandfather talked about you know you don't have to feed a horse as much if you feed them at the same time every day right, right six right. and six yep. you just kind of they'll be looking for you they'll be talking to you out yep. there every day every every time but so i start start my day off i like to have my horses fed at least by six o'clock 
I kind of clean up around there, you know, from, from the day before if I got, you know, a few things, pins or whatever. And then I try to take the boys to school if I can. And when I get back, it's about 8.30 or so, 9, I get to riding. Um, how, many, how many are you riding right now? I got eight, you know, so I, that's, a, that's a full day. You know, you know how that, that goes. And sometimes you'd like to spend more with one horse, but one, they, they all need it. And so um, when, it, when the boys get home from school, we, we, we try to rope a little bit in the afternoons with them. Start about 4 o'clock. I kind of consider it the the boys time to rope that's the that's the shift change that's the shift change yeah that's you know i i I roping now has slowed down as far as like you know when i was professional rodeo i wanted to blast them and rope and like work on some things and try to try to work on that run develop that that run that the perfect run that, Mm -hmm. that wins everywhere and um so now i'm trying to train a horse uh train train a machine you know like you had that gray and, and the, the the journey it took, how long it took to get him to that level, you know, all the little little things, scoring, all that stuff. That's people don't realize. Yeah. You see him at the NFR, how long it took to get that horse. Well, it's good. like running water over a rock. <laughs> like you see a groove in a rock, and it's hard to, at a glance, it's hard to understand how much water had to pour over it before it started to create a groove. And I think, I, I, to your point, that's, that's to me, that's horse training. Right. It's not how much you can mash into them and get them to do it. It's slowly until they've got confidence to be able to do it. And then they'll, they'll when they want to do it themselves and understand how to do it themselves, oh, that's that's where you're after because then you can worry about your roping and they'll, they'll do it. But, um, you know, my, my life is, has changed mainly for the boys now. I try to take them to the junior rodeo and, I mean, I feel like every man tries to uh, give his kids a better life than what he had. And so I'm trying to do the same. I'm trying to give my, my kids an, a good chance. And I feel like the cowboy lifestyle, I don't, you know, you got these horses, you got to take care of them. You got to get up in the mornings. You got to feed them. It's a lot of work to have horses. It's not a, it's not some a hobby. It's a lifestyle when you have yeah. animals like this. Right. So. And I feel like if my boys, if I can teach them the, the hard work of, of taking care of animals like this, and they can translate that in anything in life. They can take that to business. They can, yeah. do, they can be anything. Yeah, as long as they know they got to get up in the morning. They got to get to work. That's kind of, you can be successful in anything if you're ready to do that, you know? How much, how much depth of appreciation do you feel for your grandfather? Because you obviously loved him. You are yeah. close to him yep. and all that. But now being a dad and realizing how much work it actually is to actually invest into Man. someone's life. It's it's. Uh, I remember him. Uh, just little little certain things. We we started a pony when I was about 11 years old. My grandfather and I did. He taught me about like I put a bow saddle on him. You know what I mean? And and pull him around and all these little things. And and then we worked up into putting him into a ring snaffle. And then we put him after the ring snaffle. We put him into a little shank. You know what I mean? And then next thing you know, we introduced him to the tie down. You know, little things like that. Yeah. The steps and the process of it when I was a little kid stuff that you and, still use every day and man it just kind of he, he, he showed me the love of horses and stuff and the care and like like all the shit that was going down at school and, and, and that side of it and me maybe thinking I'm going to be a little gangster I'm like in my heart no I'm a cowboy like, right this, this right. is my this, something the, that's the cowboy spirit runs deep my grandfather you know like this he, funny story you know when he, when he was in the military he's in the navy and I talk about sharks because you know his nickname was shark Really, he would he would he would go and swim and catch a shark. You know what? He he yeah, and he'd bring it up to the the ship, and the <laughs> chef would cook it up for him. Shark fin soup, man. He was out there in Korea and stuff. That's a delicacy out there. 
but oh, my, my, my grandpa so was, <laughs> he's an animal, man. You know what I mean? Like you can't quit like with that man. Like what? Out, out working. He, he was 80 years old and still out working, man. Like he's, he's one of those kind. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my mind around this, that there's a man on the planet who would swim down there. More than you think too. There's How like, do you catch? So I'm, I'm made of questions. How do you find him? How do you catch he, him? He, he, he would go down there and he'd hold his breath, you know, like. Some of some of the reefs, yeah, them sharks were everywhere. They just get and, them cornered. Yeah, just I mean they were just close enough. Like he, <laughs> he uh, man, uh, you know them guns that they got, the spear yeah. guns and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, you see them guys like uh, the 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 National Geographic ones are my favorite. When them guys are out there and they they hold their breath, they go down there. Yeah. And they, that's so cool, man. I was. I thought that'd be, be neat, but I'm a little bit scared of the water, man. I really well, am. Well, Arizona is maybe not the best place to try to be a shark fisherman. <laughs> well, I, I I did some schools in Hawaii. Oh yeah. And when you see the waves and and like I got get in the water a little bit, yeah. And you realize how small you really are and how how Mother Nature's way. Yeah. It's it's an amazing thing because like them them currents will take you out to the water, like yeah. out to the ocean, like you, you 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 all of a sudden you'll be looking where you're at, and all of a sudden the water will take you. 50 feet down shore you're like holy smokes I'm so little so like I, w- I was a little bit like I'm just a little bit terrified of the water like Same. to get out there no, I'm, and I'm then we talk about the sharks there's oceanic white tip sharks out I, there I'm, I'm Google that's my new Google <laughs> when I get home oceanic white tip sharks still doing schools yes uh, been trying to do it full time you know trying to do them stay busy once a month or so a couple times a month try to do people try come to, do a big, to you or are you traveling um actually once a week I, they, they come to me i got a, a little spot over there i call the fantasy factory you know because oh, yeah. you you know remember rock deer deck absolutely and he had, had a setup where robin he, big yeah. you 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 were a skateboarder you had every kind of jump everything you could possibly want over there yep and at my place i have donkeys i have goats I have steers. I have big steers. I have muleys. I got everything you could possibly it's want to rope. factory. Anything you fa- could possibly want to learn. That's that's what I, and, and and I feel like you watch these kids out there just constantly roping, 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 roping. If you're working at it like that and you're roping, you're going to get better. Yeah. If you're the kind of person that's hoping uh, you're you're there sitting on the couch and you watch the guy like Jade Cork, you'll heal one down and you're thinking I can heal one like that. I'm, uh, you know, all I got to do is just, just think, think I can do it. Just can be do positive, it. man. Like you don't understand. Like I've been around Corky a lot and that guy worked very, very hard at his craft to get to that yeah. level. Yeah. That's it's, that water over the rock thing. Yeah. again. like when you see somebody having that kind of success, there was, it's hard to fathom the time that goes into something like that. Hours and hours. And it's, I, I remember because the high school was like confusing times, man. Like I was so confused and not knowing what, what I'm, what I want to do yeah. with my life. But just such an identity. I just, I would years. just go out there and I would rope the dummy daily. Like I would go turn a Metallica, you know, I just play, <laughs> play some music out there and go throw some traps at the dummy. And I was, I'd be out there for hours. Just, yeah. I, I didn't want to be out there. Didn't want to watch TV. And I felt like roping was going to, at some point, take me out of this place. And so yeah. I'm yeah. very, very right. thankful for that. And I, God, 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 is great. God is good, and I'm I'm very thankful for that. He uh, put that in my heart, roping and rodeo, because I don't see myself yeah. doing anything else, honestly. <clears throat> what a lifeline! Yeah, and I'll, I know we're done. I'll wrap it up with this, but I think when you talk about being a cowboy as a lifestyle, again, it holds more merit because when you consider the difference it made in your life, the relationship yeah. with your family, when you look at everywhere it's taken you, and that you had the choice. You know, you yeah. could have been the little badass running around helping steal cars at the airport. That was available to you also. 
and the life that you've been able to produce by choosing like the character and the the camaraderie, the integrity, the yeah. handshake. Like, I hope people understand. I hope people will grasp that of like, hey, you had the option to do both by going this route. Look at the life that you've got and the doors that's open for you and the relationships. And that's something that's something a guy, a young guy, really should consider. That's why I want to tell my story a little bit about it because you know, I feel like there's there's city kids out there that want to want to rope. You know, they want to want to compete they see it on tv they want to you just have to you have to get yourself around it i was blessed enough that uncle george was was busy doing that stuff so i was around somebody that kept a, kept a good eye my grandfather you know when i was roping wrong or doing something they dang sure would let me know about it might not be the nicest way but thanks yeah. sure let hey you're but- messing up don't do that well at least you can kind of keep on the right track and i feel like if if you're a young guy that's wanting to get get better you got to get around guys wolves run with wolves lions run with lions however you want to say it sharks swim with sharks but you got to get around somebody that 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 is very talented at what they do and and eventually i talk about sharks you you'll end up being just like them because you you spend that much time and in that craft and 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 you're you're gonna excel i hate i hate that we didn't get to talk more about Derek begay I would love if you would haze him this direction. I would love to get him in the studio. There's so many stories. Like I know we're out of time. What I'd say is, let's do this again. Okay, sounds like a deal. Let's because get- man, I got Derek stories, and there's times where neither one of us at certain points talked very much. You know, like I'm I'm a little more now than ever. But back when I was running, I didn't say very much. I, and we can we can go hours in the vehicle without saying a word. It was, it was the darndest thing. But, right. like, it, we, we didn't really communicate really with the run either. <laughs> but, like, our style is just fixed. Like, we were just. We were do this. Let's do this. Let's see if you, if you can help me with this. If you could get him in the studio with you. I've got another mic right there. I would love to hear stories that you guys remember. between Because I, I know sometimes when it's just, like, one-on-one, sometimes it's like you feel like you're trying to drag words out of people. And Derek does such a good job. Like, his social media, that guy manages his business so well. I would love if you can get him in here. Let's do it again. I would okay. love to hear the stories on that. The story we'll, we'll have to tell the story about the airplane when we're about uh, twenty five thousand feet up in the air and the the mask come down. That's a good story. You should have seen the look on Derek's face. <laughs> that's not that's not not his deal. He's a cowboy. You know what I mean? Being, being that high up in the air, the he's him and T woman. Then we guys are hey, get me on the ground right now. So yeah, we'll save that story for the deal. for the next deal. time. Caesar, thank you so much for coming by. Thanks, Jordan. Awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.